the week of Monday, September 28th, 2009, and this is the back-to-back edition of the Relevant Podcast. The Relevant Podcast is the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com and Relevant TV. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me in our very warm Orlando, Florida studios is the very pregnant Maya Strang. Hello, everybody. Also, the very warm... Associate Editor Ryan Ham. I'm warm in spirit and in temperature. <laughs> and uh, on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, none other than Jesse Carey. And I am warm only in spirit and gratitude because it's actually getting pretty cool up here. I heard is it was it? snowing today in Colorado. Yes. Really? Apparently Freaky deaky. It it's wow. fall. It shouldn't be snowing. My That's air conditioning broke if that makes you feel any better. So it's, it's plenty hot at my apartment. You can, you can come stay you? with us in for another month if you want. Oh, I could. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Have them just pause your rent until <laughs> they fix that. Actually, they should, right? Oh. Yeah. You shouldn't have to pay rent. I don't know what's going on with that. They fixed it today, apparently. Oh, so. okay. well, then yeah. quit complaining. You should be oh, good. Just my, right. my AC broke one time when I was living down there, and it was probably the longest night of my life. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty hot night last night. I figured out that there's one spot on my couch where I can blow the fan on me, and if I don't move, I don't sweat. But if I move, Wait. I do. Okay. <laughs> There's so many things. That <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I picture you. Well, I don't want to picture this, but you forced me to. Like you with this elaborate setup in your department, and you're like you're in your apartment. And you're like sitting there on your on your couch with all these like pulleys and kite strings and all these fans just trying see, to get comfortable. I see it being like a chaise, and he's in a robe, and there's one of those big paddle fans like uh-huh. fanning him. And he's feeding himself grapes, but from the top. <laughs> like he's dropping them into his mouth. Yeah. Oh, but I don't feed myself grapes. That's far too much work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they would keep you cool on the sweaty <laughs> night, just so you know. Frozen That's ones. what the elaborate system of pulleys is. <laughs> <laughs> I lower them ever so gently into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it took about three weeks to set that up. The, the worst, I had one of the worst nights of my life two nights ago when I was on a red eye from Phoenix to Atlanta which left, you know, around midnight, which right. is three in the morning on East Coast time. And Phoenix is apparently, I, I now believe in a literal hell <laughs> <laughs> because it was 100 plus degrees after midnight. It was terrible. Wow. That's okay. ridiculous. So then the air, the, for some reason, the airplane did not choose to cool us properly. And so you're already grumpy. It's the middle of the night. It's a completely packed plane, not one empty seat in the entire plane. And it's like 85 plus the entire flight. Mm-hmm. No air movement at all. Like the little fanny things were not working. I would have so, run up and down the aisles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm literally sitting there. You're trying to sleep. And you're just seriously sweating the whole time. There is somebody two inches from you and no <laughs> air circulation. So imagine the smell that starts to happen over the course yeah. of the... Oh, it's terrible. Couldn't sleep at all. I was very grumpy when I got home. Mm. Did you know anyone on the plane ride? Shh. 
<laughs> and a, and I'll t- a, uh, a lead singer while the entire band of a uh, well-known Christian uh, uh, rock group uh, was not only on my flight, they were on my row two seats over. The lead singer was two <laughs> seats over. We've met a few times. Both kind of gave each other that quick glance of, I think I know who you are, but I'm not quite sure. And neither of us took the initiative to say something to the other. No, so no. it was a little awkward the whole time. And he's talking about Scott Stapp here. You're <laughs> yeah, talking about Creed. And they were actually working. They're fighting they <laughs> And it was awkward for everyone. No, because they sing higher whenever you take off. And it has so much yeah. more meaning. It really does. And they were talking about the temperature on the plane. <laughs> Um, okay. Anyways. <laughs> we have a jam-packed episode for you today. Here's, here's why. Because the one and only Chad Michael Snavely, our producer extraordinaire, uh, now that he's here, we decided to start flexing our muscles a little bit. And you're going to start to see a lot more bells and whistles added to the podcast. Literally bells and whistles. And that's all we want. <laughs> Pulleys, yeah. honks, horn, yeah. Nothing besides that. Just bells and whistles. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we were, we we're going to have a podcast planning meeting every week now. Imagine Ooh. this. I mean, behind the scenes, folks, we don't... <laughs> we show up. We showed up and just like, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then we worked our magic in post-production. Now we're going to be planning ahead. Today, we've got two special segments for you. We've got uh, an audio spotlight interview and kind of introducing you to the music of neo-folk singer-songwriter Joe Pug. That's coming up later. We also have an interview uh, with a guy who appears in the current issue of Relevant Magazine. Uh, his name is Andrew Marin. He wrote the column uh, Finding God in Boys Town for our current issue. He's the author of Love is an Orientation. It's out now on Likewise Books. So with both of those segments, we got to breeze through entertainment releases. But we're going to even add a little pizzazz to entertainment releases. And we are going to, as I tell you what's coming out in theaters and stores and stuff from now on, We'll actually kind of tell you the spotlight release of the week mm-hmm. that we will be reviewing on the website, and we'll play a clip here on the podcast so that you can kind of experience is it. is fancy. Fancy. Wow. And you want to stay tuned because your feedback at the end of the episode is going back a month ago when we asked <laughs> you for your, your uh, three favorite, um, the, your favorite book. CD and movie of the decade. Oh, yeah. Right? right. We got a lot of responses. Cool. And so we, we went through those and we are going to spotlight our favorites. And you will hear it. You'll hear clips. You'll hear music. And for the books, dramatic readings by Ryan Ham. <laughs> dramatic readings. <laughs> dramatic readings by Ryan Ham. And they're all from memory, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've definitely memorized all of them. He has large portions of classic books from the 90s or from the 2000s memorized. If we if we decided we can call it the aughts yet cuz I was always in favor of that. We're going to do it. We're going to we're going to make it happen. The aughts. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. All right. So, all that to say we got to get rolling with entertainment releases. Coming out in stores tomorrow some CDs for your purchasing consideration. AFI with Crash Love. Alice in Chains with Black Gives Way to Blue. Mm. It's the first album since uh, the former lead singer died. Hmm. Did you know that? I did. You did? You know why? Because you wrote the note down <laughs> for me on the list. <laughs> uh, it was Jerry Cantrell, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> was, I don't know. What was his name? It was Lane Staley. Who was Jerry Cantrell? I have no idea. <laughs> Someone will know. He, know he, was, he was the guy sitting two seats away from me on my plane. <laughs> <two times ago. laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up while you yeah. guys are. Yeah, you can okay. Google that. 
Appreciate that. Um, also coming out, Mariah Carey with Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel. Oh, Aww. Imperfect Angel. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, Winner for hubby Nick. Nick Cannon must be proud. For her. No, uh, this I'm, is. I'm, st- I'm sorry. Jerry Cantrell is the guitar player, and he's very much alive. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Jerry. I know you're listening. You just you just broke the internet by fans frantically Wikipediaing his name. Yeah. Um, we got. Uh, let's see. Chris Tomlin's coming out with a Christmas songs of worship album. It's called Glory in the Highest. Christmas time is coming. Uh, Todd Agnew. Uh, uh, is coming out with Need, Reliant K with Forget and Not Slow Down, Inhale, Exhale with Bury Me Alive on Tooth and Nail. Uh, let's see. Down Here with How Many Kings, Songs for Christmas, Family Force Five is coming out with a Christmas album. A lot of Christmas albums yeah. coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, Foreigner coming out with Can't Slow Down. Yes. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's a Walmart exclusive. That's, that's not surprising. No, yep. Well, <laughs> it's hey, they know their audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying it. Uh, <laughs> Paramore with brand new eyes. Uh, Leonard Skinner with God, God and Guns. Is Lynn. that also a Walmart exclusive? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Kmart exclusive. Zero yeah. <laughs> uh, seven with Yeah Ghost. And our spotlight of the week, which will be reviewed on relevantizing.com tomorrow. Swell season with strict joy. Here's a clip. Maybe I was born to hold you in these hands. Maybe I was born to hold. Okay, coming out in theaters on Friday, October 2nd, we've got The Invention of Lying, the new Ricky Gervais film. Hopefully it's better than the ghost one. I liked Ghost Town. I liked Ghost One. I know you made fun of me for liking it. You have low standards. (laughs) (laughs) I like The Office. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He plays a Michael Scott character, right? (laughs) Jesse's like, let me say the most socially cool thing I can possibly say (laughs) about Ricky Gervais. (laughs) No, that would be, I like his podcast. I do love the podcast, too. He loves our podcast. I'm sure he does. He wrote me once. He, he said, you were sitting a couple of seats over from me from on a flight from Phoenix. I'm offended you didn't say anything. I'm not going to listen to your podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, then we got Whip It with uh, Drew Barrymore and Juno. Oh, okay. Now, see, I've heard, okay, I've heard, you know, indie flick, da-da-da, because the girl from Juno's in it. But if you've noticed the marketing more and more lately, they've been emphasizing Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Right. So I'm wondering if it's well, just it's, bad. It's her first directorial feature. So that answers my previous statement. Well, but the soundtrack's really indie, so it could be could go either way. It could go either way. And you know what? Wait, you wanna know how people can find out which way it goes? How? They can read the review of Whip It on relevantmagazine.com on Friday. Here is part of the trailer. Get ready to meet your newest Hurl Scout. Babe Ruthless! This is your SAT class? I am in love with this. Losing the chance for our kid to be happy. We're number two. We're number two. She came in second out of two teams. Celebrate mediocrity. That's fantastic. Okay, but there is one more uh, film coming out. Uh, 
Zombie Land, the Woody Harrelson action movie where they blow up people and just run around and kill zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two hours. It's a date movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, Slices. Just don't feel the same. Today's podcast is brought to you by Creation Festival, The Tour. Six bands, one speaker, 20 free iTunes songs, and one low price. Featuring Jars of Clay, Thousand Foot Crutch, Audio Unplugged, and more. Check out creationfesttour.com today for shows in a town near you. You're listening to Mayor Hawthorne. Uh, the song is Just Ain't Gonna Work Out. What's interesting about Mayor Hawthorne, he's a geeky white guy with big, thick-rimmed glasses, kind of, you know, uh, wears a bow tie kind of a guy on Stone's Throw, which is this really cool underground hip-hop label. All right, Just Gonna Work Out. It's playing right now over at Relevant.TV. You know how you can uh, watch this video on Relevant TV? You oh. go over there, click Relevant TV, click Music Videos. There they are, that all makes, of them. Makes a lot of sense. Could it be any more intuitive? At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Kings of Leon with their current single, Notion, also playing right now at Relevant.TV. Now, it is the first Kings of Leon video that we've had on Relevant TV. Want to know why? Why? The other ones are dirty. All the the other ones have naked women running around. They do not. Well, not not like, yeah, like they're very sensual. This one's clean. It's a performance well, video. Can't Chad put boxes over everything? <laughs> 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 everything will just be blurred. Now that now that Chad's here, we've got a new dawn of censorship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that he's here, stuff. we've been holding all these ones that have like random cuss words, <laughs> and we're like, man, when Chad comes, he can beep them. And so, yeah. I can't TV, wait just to see like the old great '90s hip hop videos. You know, what I mean? just wait for the new Ghostface single. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check those out at relevant.tv. Okay, with slices. Here's Jesse. All right. Well, as listeners to the podcast and pretty much everyone I know is aware, I am a huge fan of the Rambo franchise. (laughs) And by the Rambo franchise, (laughs) I mean the trailer for the last one. (laughs) 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 And here's why. I saw that trailer and I was thinking I, I was literally I had read something about it like this is the most intense movie trailer ever released, Uh, you know, it's they can't believe that Stallone is pushing the limit this much. I was like, I got to see this. And it is the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Like at one point, he literally shoots a guy with a bow and arrow. The guy falls into a lake and the lake blows up. Okay, (laughs) wait. And so didn't he talk to us when the last Rocky came out? Didn't uh, we interview I think he Stallone? talked to us when the last Rambo came yeah, out. That's what, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Rambo. And it was awesome. Well, what, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, do you remember why he had... Be- yeah, he, he saved missionaries. Yeah, because the premise of it was that Rambo oh. went in to save missionaries, so they had him talk to some Christian media, like that's us. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Didn't you interview him, Jesse? Yeah, me, Jesse, I like, think it was me yeah. and Adam. You and Adam, yeah, because Adam wanted in on that, too. <laughs> it, it, to was, it was one of the, the greatest moments of my life, <laughs> I think. And the great thing is, like, I don't know if anyone has, has seen the film 
uh, I can't say I recommend it, but uh, if you want, it's because it's basically there's about a 15 minute setup where Rambo now uh, lives on the banks of this remote river, and his job is to hunt king cobras. Okay, <laughs> that's his occupation. <laughs> and a group of missionaries has been abducted. Oh no! Uh, oh. By these, you know, uh, Burmese warlords. So uh, Rambo and a handpicked team of mercenaries. Mercenaries single-handedly <laughs> take down the entire uh, army of Burma. <laughs> I, think, I think they prefer Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. He leaves the country in shambles as well. I mean, it's unbelievable, the savagery of one man. Their economy has not yet recovered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, when I heard the news that he was coming out with another Rambo, I was thinking there's no way he can possibly outdo himself <laughs> and he personally sent an email to the guy from ain't it cool news with this description of the plot <laughs> and, and I, I swear to you i'm not making this up okay because when you when you read that what's coming out of my mouth this is not altered by me in any way these words were typed by stallone himself okay okay, uh, okay we're ready and this is the plot summary it's called rambo five the savage hunt okay <laughs> Here it is. I'm, and this, I'm not even going to read the full thing. I'm just going to read excerpts. John Rambo could track anyone or anything on Earth. Now the military desperately needs him for a mission that his ultra-sensitive instincts tell him he should refuse. A beast is loose somewhere north of the Arctic Circle. What? It's a, it's a job that Rambo and his 22-year-old hunting partner, Bo Brady, can't turn <laughs> But they turn a team of highly skilled special forces uh, kill team, discover that the prey is a terror beyond their wildest imagination. A half-human abomination <laughs> created by a renegade agency through a series of outlawed genetic experiments. It's a man's cunning, a predator's savageness, and a prehistoric power that has transcended the ages. <laughs> You're wow. so gonna be there, Jesse. That wow. tri that that synopsis alone was worth <laughs> me paying ten dollars, and I, you know what I mean. I would pay the price of a movie ticket just to read that synopsis. So he probably wrote that himself, like not just typed the email, but he probably wrote that because he wrote Rocky. Right. Yeah. 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 And so he he's a writer. Probably deems himself a writer, and he probably. Yeah. You know, wrote that as the pitch to the studio too. Yeah, yeah, I, and I like, I like, you know, how he's like, you know, I, I've done, I, I've done the action thing. It's time to get serious. <laughs> <laughs> this one, you know, a lot of these were were obvious ploys to make money off violence. This one comes from the heart, you know. So Bo, so, uh, Bo Brady, Bo, Bo Brady yeah. is going to be yes. probably the new Rambo. Bo, uh, we can only assume. There's got to be a moment in at some point that they look each look at each other as the beast is hurtling towards them, and then like Bo has a look of you know astonishment comes over his face, and he goes, "Dad." Yeah, and what? Rambo's like. I never wanted to tell you, but it's true. And then, okay, and, the, then the and then, and then the beast kills Rambo. Bo lives Ooh. on to avenge his father's death. Exactly. The new franchise is Bo, yeah. not Rambo. Bo. And yet he's still mm. uh, played by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just neglect the And the best part is there's also a movie poster, and it says it's the official movie poster that's circulating the internet, and it looks like. Uh, 
Stallone photoshopped it himself as well as Sidney Kumail. He's Microsoft Paint. Even though, even though he's like, you know, apparently the whole film takes place up north of the Arctic Circle, he's in a t shirt, mm-hmm. right? With a machete in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! And, and and it's a there's a, there's like this very strange image of like it looks like a panther face behind him. So oh, panthers the beast. Well, the, yeah. the famous Arctic Circle panthers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. if if you Google Rambo Five: The Savage Hunt, you'll get a glimpse of the movie poster. Like I said, even though he's in the Arctic Circle, Rambo only needs a black T-shirt <laughs> and a machete. Oh, well, yeah. I'm seeing that opening day. Yeah, we got to review yeah. that. We'll play a clip on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can anyone say midnight showing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Maya? My slice actually has a little quiz for you guys. I want to see if you guys, if you were born in another country, if you'd actually be able to come become citizens of the United States of America. Hmm. Um, apparently, some organization decided they wanted to test the students at an Oklahoma high school. Turns out that. It, if they were giving the same test that was is given to people that would become citizens of the United States, only three percent of them would become citizens, which is really really well. Sad. People have to study for that citizenship test, so they That's didn't give true. the kids a, a chance to study. Well, I think it was they should be learning this in school, school. In or American in high school. school. Still. Yeah, right. that's true. The All American right. school is failing us. Um, well. Ninety-seven percent of us. Ninety-seven yeah. percent. Right. Yeah. There's three of us that are good to go. Yeah. I, I say we. I say we. Uh, Deport 97% of the population. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, out of the Oklahoma high school, only 75% of them can name the first president of the United States. Anyone? Wait, wait. 75% can or can't? They cannot. Can't. Cannot. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Cannot. That's, uh, come on. That's what they said. Now, they are picking on Oklahoma. Benjamin Franklin <laughs> is rolling <laughs> if, in if they, if, they went to, if they went to a real state, what's the percentage? Well, you and Jesse did get your college education <laughs> yeah. there. We got our degrees from Well, not from, from the state school, school program. It was a private institution. A private Christian institution. <laughs> so you're saying it's not even as good as the public school nope, system? No, I'm not. Wow. Just kidding. You're, you guys are smart. Ish. Okay, so a, cu- <laughs> a couple questions. Yeah, she says after one of us just went on a thing about how much they love Rambo and the plot <laughs> seems amazing. Um, what do we call the first ten amendments to the Constitution? The Bill of Rights. Correct. Twenty-six percent of the students got that correct. How many justices are there on the Supreme Court? Eleven. Nine. Nine. Correct. There's one chief and eight associates. Ten percent. There were eleven. Ten percent got okay. that correct. Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson. Right. right. 14% got that. Benjamin part. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> who, runs, who runs the executive branch for our country? Executive branch is the president. The president, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's all. You guys are smart. You'll pass. Um, okay. You have a slice? I do. Wow. Oh, you do? Yeah, look at that. Go for it. Okay, cool. Um, so this one's a little weird one. Last week I had a nice one about, you know, a pastor and everything. This week, right, no. yeah. this week does have to do with religion, but it's not as a nice one. <laughs> so there is this grocery store chain in Great Britain called Tesco. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently they came under some fire from this guy because he was shopping and they asked him to move, remove his hood due to a recently installed policy. I think they were trying to, like, prevent hoodlums from coming in and, like, right. graffitiing the store and See stuff. people's faces. The reason he had a hood was because, I kid you not, he is the CEO and founder of the Church of Jediism. Wow. Jediism as in, yes, like a Star Wars yeah. Jedi. 
So he was in full Jedi garb, and he's now threatening to sue them for religious discrimination because he said that all Jedi have to have a hood while they're in public. Really? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. The best part of the whole story <laughs> is that Tesco responded to his statement, and they basically used examples from the Star Wars films to like completely overrule his argument. Really? He's That's like, awesome. He's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, and several other Jedi walked about in public with no hood, and they were still Jedi. <laughs> well, I think the appropriate response to that guy would have been? What? A wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, when someone else commented on the slice, if he really would have been a Jedi, he would have been able to wave his hand and say, there's no problem here. I don't need to remove my hood. And they would have been like, you're right. You don't need to remove your hood. <laughs> Clearly not yeah, a Jedi. A wedgie would have done good, too. <laughs> what did we say, nerd? <laughs> you were that guy in middle school. Yep. <laughs> Ryan now hates Jesse. <laughs> little tears forming in the corner of Ryan's eye. You caused me so much pain. Oh, boy. Okay, well, that'll do it for Slices. Up next, Joe Pug. You're listening to Copeland. The song is Not So Tough Found Out. Not So Tough Found Out. Playing right now over at Relevant.tv. Well, this year, uh, the, some of the crew went up to Lollapalooza. Ryan was among the crew. I was. And uh, a couple of our female interns. They filed reports from the road. Each of these tour dates they went to, and they went to Lollapalooza. When they were at Lala, they actually interviewed a number of emerging and buzz artists, mm -hmm. among which was Joe Pug. Joe Pug currently has a EP out called Nation of Heat, which Ryan has. But he uh, on, on his website he just said that um, he just released a free EP called In the Meantime. Mm -hmm. He has to hold fans over until the full album drops. In yeah. the meantime. In the meantime. <laughs> Listen to this. Uh, you can check him out at JoePugMusic.com. Here is an artist spotlight looking at Joe Pug. first and only record yeah. that I have out. I made it, um, uh, released it last year, and it's taken me all over the United States since then. It's been great. Um, it's been a really amazing year. I, I really never could have anticipated. It's taken you it's all over, and even to Lollapalooza. Would you have ever thought something so humble, a singer-songwriter like yourself would end up here? You know what? I knew it was a long shot, but I always really felt like people would respond to the right. music. And, um, you know, I've had... I've had a lot of lucky breaks, you know what I mean? I've had a lot of um, a lot of people have been, like, supportive and, and responsive um, to my teams. And, uh, you know, I, it was hard work and it was luck. But I'm, I'm glad to be here. Pays off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Across from the prison and beside the Great Lake Below the rooftops and above the highway 
Personal favorite, Hymn 101. It's a big deal. Thank you. Um, what's your inspiration there? Where'd that come from? You know what's funny is when I was writing that song, I was thinking about less about what I was trying to say and just more about keeping the meter right. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I, I, I finished that song in the parking lot as I was walking into the studio to record it. And I didn't know, as a songwriter, you have no idea like what songs people are going to respond to. And I never would have picked that one. That, that That's a tune that a lot of people right. responded to. And Frankly, when I wrote it, I thought it was pretty self-indulgent. Yeah, I've come to know the wish list of my father. I've come to know the shipwrecks where he wished. I've come to wish aloud among the overdressed crowd. Come to witness now the sinking of the ship. Throwing pennies from the sea top next to it. And I've come to roam the forest past the village. With a dozen lazy horses in my cart I've come here to get high To do more than just get by I've come to test the timber of my heart With all these layers, when you're writing a song, do you sit down and think, this is what I want to evoke from people, or are you writing for yourself? No, I, I started off writing for myself, but mm -hmm. I think you have to, um, you got to strike, you got to strike a balance, because, um, you know, I write all the tunes for myself, but especially when I'm playing a live show, I'm not going to keep on playing the tunes that don't connect with people at a live show. Right. I, I feel like um, I feel like that there's a difference between records and live shows in that, mm -hmm. in that regard. I am the day, I am the dawn, I am the darkness coming on. And I am once, I am twice, I am the whole, I'm just a slave. Some call me gone, some call me here. None are wrong, none are near. So what's next? Are you working on any new project? The new record is done. Yeah. It's mixed, it's ready to rock. And um, so now we just figure out when and how I'm going to release it. My last question is, where are you pulling your inspiration from? Is there an artist you're striving to be like? Is there somebody, like, do you have a playlist that's like, oh, brain music? The uh, Well, the one person I haven't been able to stop spinning in the last six months has been Lucinda Williams. I've, Really? I've sort of, uh, I've devoured every piece of music that she's ever written, and I've fallen hopelessly in love with her and <laughs> everything that she does. So. When every revolution is by the state, there's no bravery in bayonets in tearing down the gates. If you see me with a rifle, don't ask me what it's for. Can we ask you the hard questions now? Yeah. What's the first CD you ever bought? Nirvana, never mind. What's the most awkward venue you've ever played at? Most awkward venue I've ever played at. Um, when I was first starting out, first, first starting out, this is maybe three years ago, I went to Brooklyn. I was playing in Brooklyn, and it was a variety show. And... Um, <laughs> The person in front of me, the opening act right before me, literally, I'm not kidding. I, this is not an exaggeration in any way, shape, or form. His act was, it solely consisted of him drinking his own urine. <laughs> so this dude drank his own urine. I'm serious. I'm, I swear to God. 
I swear to God. How do you follow that? <laughs> you know, the way you follow it is this dude drinks his own urine, and then they go, and now some folk songs from Joe Pug from Chicago. Right now they'll go unheard. Call it what you will. I'm heartbroken still. Words are just words. You're listening to Joe Pug. You can check out more at joepugmusic.com or on MySpace slash the Joe Pug. You're listening to Cage the Elephant. The song is Back Against the Wall, playing right now over at Relevant.tv. Well, if you uh, listened to last, the last podcast where we looked at the current issue, and or if you have the current issue, uh, you know that we have a column in it uh, called Finding God in Boys Town, and it's written by Andrew Marin. Andrew is the author of the new book called Love is an Orientation, Elevating the Conversation with the Gay Community. He is the founder of the Marin Foundation, M-A-R-I-N. You can find him at themarinfoundation.org. Here is Andrew Marin. Uh, Andrew, um, first of all, why don't you uh, start by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what the Marin Foundation is all about. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first and foremost, I grew up the biggest Bible-banging homophobic person you would have ever met in your entire life. You know, in my time of growing up, um, I, I called everybody a fag, and my favorite phrase was, that's so gay. Um, my parents were fags, my friends were fags, my teachers were fags, my coaches were fags, and, and if I didn't like something, everything was just gay to me. And so that kind of the mindset of where I was coming from growing up. And then the summer after my freshman year in college, my best friend um, tells me, hey, I, I have to tell you something, and don't tell anyone. And I said, sure, what is it? And she tells me she's a lesbian. Hmm. And then the very next month, my other best friend uh, says, hey, I have to tell you something, but don't tell anyone. And she came out to me and told me she was a lesbian, too. And, and by this time, I'm thinking, oh, man, do I have a stamp on my forehead that says, <laughs> are you gay and do you need a best friend? Because I'm totally here for you. Right. Um, but then the very next month again for the third consecutive month, and I only have three best friends, so... What I'm going to say is like 100% of my best friends, uh, my third best friend came out to me and told me he was gay. Wow. And uh, that just wrecked my life. Wow. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. And, and so I, I did the only thing I thought I could do, which, which was just run away. And, you know, in that time, I felt the Lord say to me, because I was praying to him, Lord, why would you give me my three best friends in the one community that I've singled out my whole life to this point? Right. And he said to me, Andrew, instead of asking me why me, maybe you should ask yourself what it was like for your three best friends to grow up closeted with a homophobic person as their best friend. Hmm. And, I mean, that just wrecked me, and it, it totally convicted me. And I went back to my best friends, and, and I said, hey, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to reconcile my faith and, and your guys' sexuality, and I don't know what's going on, but, but I know 
and I just need to be here. I need to be here with you guys. I need to live life with you guys. And and if you could, if you could forgive me and and let me let me do that. And so at that moment, what I did was uh, just totally immerse myself in community. Um, I pretty much dropped my whole straight life. I only had gay and lesbian friends. Only went to gay events and gay clubs and gay organizations and gay churches and gay functions and. And I moved into Boys Town with my best friends. Boys Town's the gay neighborhood here in Chicago. And, um, you know, here we are nine years later, and, and I have never expected any of this stuff to happen. I was just trying to uh, be faithful to what I feel the Lord was, was telling me at that moment. Uh, so that's really where my organization came about. Andrew, explain for us why you're seeming to take a different route than other organizations who are trying to minister to the gay community. Um, obviously, most other organizations that people might be familiar with are more commonly known to uh, to really be there to try to get them to you know become heterosexual and to change them and fix them quickly. Um, give me your take on on why you've taken a different route and and what role. Uh, you feel like your, you know, your organization kind of plays within the gay community itself? Yeah, well, first and foremost, the reason why we, my organization is not an organization that is gay people come to us, gay, leave straight, or, you know, try to leave straight, is, is the fact that I've, I've just been living in the community for so long. I've seen a lot of what happens within that. Um, I'm not saying that those ex-gay organizations are are bad or wrong for people who have an unwanted same-sex attraction and want to get rid of it and all of that. Um, but an analogy that, that I use quite a bit, if you think of the gay community as 100%, so the entire gay community is 100% of gay and lesbian folks, um, there's only about 20% of that gay community that actively seeks out ex-gay ministries, and that 20% says, listen, I believe in a traditional interpretation of Scripture, and I don't care if, if I can't overcome it, then I'm just going to live celibate, because I believe that that's what the Bible tells me to do. And so what has traditionally happened is that the church or the Christian community in general has been patting ourselves on the back for 20% of the gay community who actively seeks us out. And you know, and I know some pastors get upset when I say this, but the church isn't okay with 20% of anything except a tithe check. And now that's that's a serious statement, and I also say that jokingly, but it, it's to prove a point that what happens to the broader 80% of the gay and lesbian community that's sitting out there and they say, I don't need you, I don't need your God, I'm not touching your ex-gay programs with a 10-foot pole, just leave me alone. Are those people who say that, any less significant to God or to the kingdom than any of the other 20% who do seek out our ex-gay programs. And, and I just feel the Lord has just put this on me so much, um, and maybe it's specifically because my first two best friends who came out to me uh, were not believers. And so the life that uh, I was originally immersing myself in was surrounded by non-believing gay and lesbian people who wanted absolutely nothing to do with the God of power and of grace and of love, and they wanted nothing to do with that God, the God that I believed in, because of Christians. 
because of Xgate programs, and and there was just this big disconnect that I continued to see over and over and over, and and I figured there had to be a way to be able to reach out to these people in love and in grace, uh, and be able to present them in a gospel in a way that they will actually be able to receive it instead of us just trying to force it upon them. Well, obviously one of the unique things about the perspective and, and even life application that you've made for yourself and, and, and there consequently is, you know, for your organization is instead of taking the approach of trying to, you know, minister and even be in relationship um, on a more personal level with the gay community by inviting them to, you know, your church or where you live, you have moved into the neighborhood. You've moved into Boys Town. Um, and you are there um, living in their world. What what kind of criticism have you received from taking that approach, and um, and what challenges have you faced as a result of of stepping into um, you know what really is is an incredible storm, you know, even socially and politically um, for those who are Christians? Yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 been difficult for me. You know, when I originally did it. Um, nine years ago, I, I didn't think anything of it, uh, just because I was doing what I felt the Lord was telling me to do. Uh, it's only become recently when, you know, we have, my organization has gotten more media attention and, you know, both within the secular and Christian world. Uh, and, and a lot of the, I guess I shouldn't say a lot, but there's been a, a number of Christian folks who, who are like, how can you live there? And how can you live with them? And if you are there with them, you know, you're capitulating to the gay agenda and, and all this other stuff. And, and I mean, it's just it's, it's very disturbing for me and heartbreaking because ultimately what I'm doing is just general incarnational living, yeah. incarnational ministry. Yeah. And, and I've, I've found that it is okay to move to the ghetto and live with a bunch of at-risk African Americans, it, it's okay to move to the the slums of Africa. It's okay to move to all these different areas to reach all these different type of people groups, um, except the gay community. Um, and you know, I'll be honest, I, I have never met any straight Christian who has ever willfully and intentionally moved into the gay na- into a gay neighborhood in the country with a purpose. Mm. And and I pray that if there is somebody out there who is, who did that? Who's listening to this? Please, please call me and contact me because because sometimes it gets gets very lonely from just getting beaten on um, instead of people trying to understand what's going on. Uh, part of a research study that we've been doing, our, our big headline statistic that we found, um, and this is from our preliminary data, so it's not it's not the full amount yet, but we found that 86 percent of the gay and lesbian community across the United States of America was raised in a denominationally based Christian church. Wow. 86%. So, so in all of this, m- many Christians think it's an us-versus-them battle, and what I'm trying to say, we need to start shifting our mind frames to understand it's not an us-versus-them, it's an us-versus-us. You know, they know where we're coming from. They can read the Bible. They've grown up... In our churches, in, in the same pews that we sit in, they've grown up in the same youth groups that, that we've been raised in, and they feel that because we solely focus on their sexual behavior as their only worthwhile characteristic, um, and, and they left because of that. And, and so 
you know, what we're trying to do is, is present a holistic understanding of who God is and, and what is love and what is sin and what does it mean to live out your faith in the current context of today's culture regarding your sexuality and your belief system. And, and the only way, from my perspective, to get that done with, within the gay and lesbian community is to literally be within the gay or lesbian community. When I met you, I didn't know what to do. I was tired, I was hungry, I fight. Now I'm away, I write home every day, and I see you on the TV at night. You can see that life's for us to talk about. You're listening to Pete Yorn and Scarlett Johansson. The song is Relator. Sounds like a uh, Transformers name. Or he man, he man, bad guy. He's Don't bring up Transformers. Yeah, Jesse no, never mind. Off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's playing right now over at relevant.tv. And I love the 1940s warble of Scarlett Johansson's voice. It's a uh, great tune. Great, great video. It's very cool. Um, okay, so it's time for your feedback. If you go back with us in the Wayback Machine about mm-hmm. a month, uh, we asked you for your favorite or the top three of the decade, your favorite book, your favorite CD, your favorite movie of the aughts. So anything since January 1, 2000, we wanted to hear what you what you liked. And uh, so anyway, you, you went over to the podcast page on relevantmagazine.com and you posted yours, your, your, your nominees. And so now we, we are going to share some of our favorites of yours with everyone. Take it away. All right. Um, a guy named Jack Bauer, oh, presumably not, but not the Jack Bauer, but well, he has done. Well, oh, hey, hang on, his favorite movie is GI <laughs> Joe. <laughs> so, Jesse, <laughs> does it say Rambo? No, it says GI <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of my other favorite responses was by someone named Greg Lee, and he put best book Harry Potter series, and then in parentheses. Does this make me a 12-year-old girl? <laughs> and Greg, it does not, because that would be one of mine, too. And I see Cameron shaking his head slowly in pain. Um, that makes both of you 12-year-old girls. <laughs> yeah. Just because he's a 12-year-old girl and you identify with him does not make him not a 12-year-old girl. This is where Jesse threatens wedgies again. Yeah. <laughs> see, I just feel like, you know, maybe maybe your uh, favorite books of, you know, the last 10 years all were in the Harry Potter series. <laughs> yeah. That's just not something you post publicly. <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with the, t- the truth, but uh, that's just one of those things where you just don't tell people. <laughs> <laughs> um, in general, we saw uh, quite a few repeated ones um, among books. The so, th- so there was some consensus. Yeah, there was some consensus. Okay. All right. Um, among the top books were Blue Like Jazz, got a lot of votes. That's a good book. Yeah, it is a good I book. I was with Don Miller last weekend. Oh. He's a good guy. Cool. He seems like a good guy. All right. Uh, another one that was repeated a lot uh, was Dave Eggers' A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Love that book. Which is a really good book. Well, I, uh, can I be honest? Yeah. Two-thirds of the way through. Exactly. That's exactly how yeah. I thought. And, and, I, and by the time I got two-thirds, I appreciated it yeah. for what it was. I felt like I had read two books already. Yeah. So thick. And I thought, ah, I don't know that I'm going to get anything else else out of the last third. And he actually says that in the yeah, introduction. He does. He yeah. says, you don't need to read the entire book. 
just read up to this page and you're good. Yeah. And I oh, felt and like it, I exceeded and he his... says in the introduction that you shouldn't even read the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> On page like 73 of the introduction, he's like, why are you still reading this introduction? Just start reading the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think he says something along the lines of, did you finish reading the book and wonder what the introduction was all about or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Uh, and then the third one that people mentioned a lot was The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Really? Which, interestingly enough, was both a Pulitzer Prize winner and an Oprah Choice Book Club. <laughs> um, and it's also I've an amazing book. And it's going to be a movie this fall with Viggo Mortensen, and it looks amazing. What's that one about? It's a father and son's journey across a post-apocalyptic uh, wasteland. Hmm. But it, it's, kinda, it's not really like a heavy plot because, I mean, really, after you read it, you're like, you know, not, not a whole lot happened. But the relationship between like a father and son, uh, you know, it, it's really powerful. It's a good, it's a good book. Well, it's really heavy though. It's not yeah. like a beach book, right. you know. <laughs> when you were saying the the plot, I really thought you were saying a young woman's erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. <laughs> Rochelle, you're Rochelle, of Rochelle, Rochelle. Yeah, of course, yeah, but. Obviously, we're on two different pages. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesse, we cannot endorse that film. So those are so the books. Are so books. those are the books. So okay. Rochelle, Rochelle. Rochelle, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, movies. Uh, this one had even more consensus. A lot of people said uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which, you mm. know, it's it's hard to argue. It's, it's Never made good. it through it. I don't, really? I don't think it is. It's, they're good movies. I mean, I know people like it. Right, I got to right. the first one, and then I was like, eh, I'm good. I, I reviewed for our website. I reviewed the second one. Because we got a free pass, and I just did not like it at all. Because it was obvious to me, it was just disconnected, or it was a connecting mm -hmm. thing. It couldn't right. stand on its right. own. And so I, I, uh, I wrote a three-line review, mm -hmm. you know, for our what website. Was the, was the first sentence? Do you like naps? <laughs> <laughs> then this movie is for you. Yeah, no, um, and and it was the highest viewed. Uh, article on our website for months because there were so many <laughs> angry nerds posting underneath it. I prefer the term occasionally socially challenged <laughs> <laughs> because I saw Two Towers in the Theater three times. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, yeah, I didn't get it. I just, I, I'm not into fantasy or sci-fi. I'm just not. Yeah. yeah. Allegory. Just tell me a story. Yeah. Anyway, and then the other movie that was pretty overwhelming, too, is The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Okay, well, here's okay. a clip. It's simple. Kill the Batman. <laughs> and here we go. I, here's my problem with the Batman movies, with Christian Bale. Everything about them is perfect. Except when he tries to talk as Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It it's really, almost laughable. It almost is laughable. It's so unnatural and bad. So albums are actually four that got a lot of repeat votes. Okay. Um, well, and I'm lumping... Sufjan had a couple that people suggested, and so I'm lumping those together. Okay. Both uh, both Seven Swans and Come On, Feel the Illinois. So here's, here's a little bit of Illinois. In my Yeah, I'd say I'd say that that's Sufjan was was groundbreaking. Yeah, you know I think he created was that his first one. It was actually his fifth. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it, it was a slow build, but mm -hmm. uh, I think innovative is definitely an yeah. appropriate label for his yeah. work. Yeah. And then a lot of people really like Mute Maths. 
uh, self-titled debut. So here's a clip. Here's a clip from their debut album, which which we all can agree is great. Uh, the other two albums were uh, Russia Blood, Fr- Russia Blood to the Head by Coldplay. Mm, good one. Uh, yes, although Viva La Vida is better. Just saying. Disagree. Uh, okay. Respectfully. All right, that's fine. Well, here's here's a little bit of Russia Blood, Coldplay. Now, let's remove all the singability, add a lot of weird noises. Here's Radiohead. (laughs) (laughs) With their album In Rainbows. If I was to pick my favorite album of the decade, really, I would say Radiohead's Kid A. Oh, okay. What was that in the 2000s? It came so? out in fall 2000. Wow, you just snuck in, but you know what? I think Kid A was far and away better than In Rainbows. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I like In Rainbows a lot, but Kid A is like mind blowing. I would definitely agree with that. You know what? Forget what people said. Here's a clip of Kid A. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> So now, uh, for you, uh, now we know your number one album. Jesse, yeah. what's your top album of the decade? My top album is probably Ryan Adams' Heartbreaker, hmm. which was, I think that was in 2000 or 2001. That's a good one. But it's got, I like it because it's it's a, it's a really different album. It's got a lot of the kind of uh, alt country that, you know, guys 10 years later, like Bright Eyes and all those groups are just now kind of discovering like Ryan Adams was doing it 10 years ago. It's also got some of that cool, like gritty New York city, like punk, you know, Mm -hmm. that I feel like also was years ahead of its time. You know what I mean? Like before all these, you know, fashion bands came out, you know, Ryan Adams do a couple tracks. (laughs) You you literally sounded like a curmudgeon when you said that you sounded like an old guy. Talking about the young whippers. All these old, you know, fashion New York rock bands. <laughs> but there's a couple of tracks on that album that, like I said, I feel like are, are way ahead of their time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maya? I'm really bad at this. That's fine. Um, I remember really liking Kanye West's first album. Oh, yeah. It's a good that, album. That's, that's a good one. That yeah. actually, that kind of changed dropout. the game. Yeah, yeah. College yeah. Dropout really college did dropout. change the game. Yeah. I remember liking, like, the whole album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for the skits. No, oh. I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hate skits or interludes on any album, to be honest with you. I yeah. think they detract from, from the album, even though the artists think that they add to the album yeah. experience. They're wrong. Although They're I wrong. do, they did used to add a lot to old DMX albums. <laughs> 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 I, hey, I, that was pretty much just him growling like Christian <laughs> Bay. I respectfully uh, withdraw from it. I, I, I didn't prepare, and so I, I feel like I would do, I would regret whatever choice I made. Okay, so anyway, okay, so books, favorite books, Decade? Yeah, I'm going with the T and IV, the T and IV Bible. It's <laughs> a good choice. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'd say my fate. Well, this is tough, you know, but I think my favorite, and it's just because I personally like it, because 
you that, know that's what your I, favorite means by definition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's the best by any means, but because I write, you know, magazine features occasionally, I really like Klosterman Four because oh, yeah. it's sort of like, uh, you know, all of his works with like like director's commentary mm-hmm. in it. You I know agree. what I mean? I like agree. he does those little footnotes and all the stories and you kind of get to understand how he sees the craft of feature writing. And I just, I just, and he's really funny. What was your awesome. favorite, what was your favorite essay in that book? Favorite uh, article? Yeah, to, to be honest, and this is probably surprising, but can, I can think, I predict, can I predict? Yeah. Steve Nash. And see, that's what I thought <laughs> it was going to be coming in. Oh, okay. You know? But I thought the one that I found the most interesting was actually the one, and this is this. It, it even surprised me. It was the article on Val Kilmer? Really? Because huh. I thought I thought I'm going to skip this because I have no interest in Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. But that I think that story, like what it showed me, is like you can. It's not always about the person; it's about the angle and how you can make a story interesting. Because if you read it, it's probably the most interesting feature in that book. Because you care about someone who you didn't think you'd care about, and it makes someone relevant to you that, you know, Val Comer has no relevance to me. And to me, like, that was, it was an entertaining feature, an informing one, uh, you know. And, and that's why I think it's, it was a good feature, because I didn't think I'd care about it coming in. Yeah. It's true. It's good. Yeah. I, I honestly, th- I love the Steve Nash one, because I love that he proved that Steve Nash is a communist. Yeah. See, and that's a great thing about Klosterman is he finds he takes angles when you first hear it, you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. But you read it and you're like, you know, he made a really compelling argument for that. Yep. You know? Yeah. And he makes he can make anyone profoundly interesting. Uh, my favorite I actually had a tie. I know okay. that's cheating. But are you gonna read a dramatic reading from your <laughs> Sadly no. Oh, I have okay. a few other ones. Okay. That like were, honorable mentions. Yeah, that okay. almost made my list. Okay. But, uh, my favorite books were Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Okay. Which came out in 2000. And it's really Michael, good. Shabon. He, Michael Shabon. I, I like. Did you read Yiddish Policeman's Union? I'm reading it right now. I haven't finished it. And no, that's an, the Coen brothers are actually adapting that to oh, a good. movie. Good. And then um, a collection of short stories called Interpreter of Maladies. Movies. Uh, movies. Um, I think this was a tough one for me. Um, I think that it's probably lost in translation. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And that's not necessarily like. I don't know if that's the best movie of the decade, but I think it is my favorite. You know what? I love that movie, too. Let's play a clip. Here's a clip of Lost in Translation. Can you keep a secret? I'm trying to organize a prison break. <laughs> We'd have to first get out of this bar, then the city, and then the country. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. You're probably just uh, having a midlife crisis. Did you buy a Porsche? You know, I was thinking about buying a Porsche. Okay, Jesse, what did, what's uh, your favorite movie of the decade? It might be kind of a stereotype, but I had to go Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan yeah. and Owen Wilson. Mine is Transformers. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I love that movie. The more first than one, the first one, second one. Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I saw it three times in the theater. Yeah, yeah so did I. Too. All right, so here's a clip of the "Put It in My Chest" stamp. Okay, so that uh, right before we jump into this week's editorial question of the week, we just figured we would wrap up kind of find the moment in literature that would kind of be the pinnacle of literature for the aughts. Mm -hmm. We wanted to bring to you a moment from one of the 
premier literary accomplishments of this decade. All right. Let's hear it. This is Ryan Ham reading a selection from 365 Things Every Hunter Should Know <laughs> by Steve <laughs> Chapman. Proverbs 7.23 says, Till an arrow struck his liver. This verse is about a young man who foolishly was enticed by a prostitute. The resulting spiritual demise is illustrated vividly by an arrow passing through his liver. I wondered why scripture cites the liver until the day I arrowed a deer that way. While the kill was sure, the deer suffered longer than if hit with a heart-lung shot. Avoid temptation! (laughs) (laughs) For I will hunt you down. Wow. I could wow. Or me and Bo Brady will hunt you down. All right. On that note, here's this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. So we have a serious question for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, not serious and all that. Okay. We want to know if you could do something dangerous just once with absolutely no risk, what would you do? I'd wrestle a grizzly bear to, <laughs> <laughs> to the death. Yeah, <laughs> but you His couldn't die, so it'd be the grizzly bear's death. Yeah, but it'd be a very long fight. I was like, that could take a while. Okay, probably be a couple weeks. Okay. <laughs> and he would just die of exhaustion. <laughs> he'd keep waking up it's like a video game. He'd probably, right? just, he'd probably just like kill himself because he's tired of me like <laughs> jabbing him with sticks. <laughs> just leave me alone, kid. Uh, okay. So if you could do something dangerous just once with no risk, what would you do? I think I'd ride a cheetah. Mm. Yeah. But it would be in a city street. <laughs> or on the actually on the interstate. It would be on the interstate. Because you'd, uh, you'd want to see if it really could beat cars. Yeah, I would want to pass a car on a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should have led with. I'd yeah. want to pass a car on yeah. a cheetah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um Okay, so for your answers, go to the relevantmagazine.com website on the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. Click right there on the current podcast. Click feedback, and you can post your feedback there. You can also read other people's feedback and make fun of them. So post, post over at the website, and uh, we will discuss or, or talk through your favorite or our favorite ones of your replies next week. Um, okay, a little housekeeping information. Next week, Relevant is going to the printer. The November issue of Relevant is going to the printer. But normally, that's when we would not have a podcast. We will have a podcast because Chad Michael Snavely is here and uh, keeping things moving. So this is our commitment to you, podcast every week. Look at that. That's, Look at that. That's uh, number two, next week's podcast is Maya's last one before she leaves for maternity leave for, right. for later, a people. few months. <laughs> and we will have some fun guest hosts sit in. In her chair while she's gone. Sylvester Stallone. Yes. And then she and Bo will come back (laughs) in three or four months. Bo Brady. Is Bo our kid's name or something? Bo Brady. (laughs) It is now. It is now. So, yeah, so that. So, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Many thanks to Andrew Marin. Again, you can check him out at themarinfoundation.org, and his book, Love is an Orientation, is available at retailers nationwide. You can also get it at Amazon. Also, many thanks to Joe Pug for talking to us. Uh, his uh, website is joepugmusic.com. He has an EP out now, which implies an album is coming soon. So check that out. Um, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Ryan Ham. <laughs> we'll see you next week.
Yeah, Rambo is going to be a metaphor for the Lord coming to strike down genetic engineering.